Good morning. Welcome to Real Estate and Coffee. My name is Joel Arndt. Today is Saturday, October 26th, 2019. Here's some real estate news while you enjoy your morning coffee. This morning's article comes from the Hamilton Spectator. Headline reads, Tenant advocates argue against grant for Hamilton developer accused of renovation. A group of Hamilton advocates are disappointed after city councilors supported a grant application for a developer they say pressures tenants to make way for high-end renovations. They don't want to ruin development in the city. That's their main concern, Mike Wood, chair of ACORN, said of elected officials in Wednesday. Wood had asked councilors at City Hall not to award a tax grant worth roughly $35,000 over nine years to Malium Real Estate Partners three, interesting, to renovate a three-story building at 301 to 303 Barton Street East. The handout is part of the city's Barton to Kenilworth Tax Increment Grant Program, which aims to encourage redevelopment. A similar program exists for downtown. The rationale is that improving a once derelict or improving once derelict properties will generate more tax revenue when the assessed value of the properties goes up. However, Wood and Acorn have raised concerns over developers pressuring tenants to leave buildings targeted for renovation, a, proce- a process known as renoviction. No matter how you look at it, the city's paying for this too, Wood said in reference to the cost of displaced tenants winding up on the street or in shelters. The city should get it, but I don't think they do. The advocates have focused on Malium, a firm that has purchased and renovated residential and commercial properties, mostly east of downtown, including along King Street and Barton Street East. Elizabeth Ellis, an Acorn member, said the firm pressured her to take a $2,000 buyout to leave 160 Sherman Ave North. Financially, they gave us what they gave us was not enough for first and last month's rent and to move our stuff. Another tenant who didn't want to be named because she feared repercussions said she had has been pressured to leave her apartment of 11 years at 41 to 43 Albert Street. I'm staying put. I can't afford to move. The woman said tenants in five apartments in the low-rise 13-unit building still pay under $700 a month, but renovated units go for $1325 a month. Malium has put the property up for sale with a listed price of $2.4 million. The advertisement notes the buyer can renovate the remaining five units and re-rent at $1,295 or higher. When the firm bought 301 to 303 Barton Street East in 2017, it was vacant, possibly for many years, partner Gregory Kluwer said in an email to The Spectator. The building was in complete disrepair and it was home to illicit activity at the time of our purchase. We have taken meaningful risk and invested considerable capital in order to repair the building in order to create four new homes for local families. Kluwer added, we strictly adhere to and go beyond our obligations to res- with respect to repair and upkeep of buildings, as well as our obligation to operate within Ontario's laws. We are in strong support of the city, introducing harsh consequences for any landlord who illegally re- renovates 
in quotations, tenants, or in any case where a landlord neglects their obligations related to repairs and upkeep. During Wednesday's General Issues Committee meeting, some councillors praised Malium's, Malium's work and tax increment program. I applaud what they've done, said Councillor Sam Marula, adding, 20 years ago we were begging for it. But Councillor Terry Whitehead expressed discomfort over not knowing the tactics developers use to empty buildings before they apply for grants. Ultimately, we are allowing developers to push out vulnerable and high-risk tenants in our community. That's not acceptable. Jason Thorne, head of economic development, said when the, applicant, when the application was submitted for 301 to 303 Barton Street East, staff understood the building to be vacant. Thorne added, investigating how buildings become vacant would be a challenge due to limited staff resources and potentially very complicated. Staff shouldn't be expected to be super sleuths, said Councillor Chad Collins, arguing the city can rely on evidence from provincial uh, the Provincial Landlord and Tenant Board to decide whether to support grant applications. In the absence of having that information in front of us, then these projects go forward. Two weeks ago, councillors backed a revamped approach to the tax increment program that places emphasis on providing tenants with education packages, outlining their rights, marking conditions, and resources to help them. Councillor Narinder Nan who has taken up Acorn's cause, said she plans to ask Malium for a meeting to ensure they're being a good developer. Nan told the advocates the onus shouldn't be placed on tenants to provide the city with proof of renovation. So I'm highlighting this article in as a compare and contrast to an earlier article that I did this week about a landlord in oh goodness i had i had you know i've actually forgotten which article it was now but the it was about uh rent evictions again and it was uh in nova scotia and but this one was like the landlord ha it was trying to evict um for renovations and um the tenants obviously didn't like that and the point the, the a lot of the discussion around the article became it, it, it because I, I specifically asked a a very open-ended question and it was what are the land what responsibilities do landlords have towards uh towards tenants and on and it drew a lot of ire and i, I knew that like it's kind of why i phrase it like that but to stir up the discussion. And so this is like a compare and contrast. Here we have tenants or a developer who is applying for a tax uh, grant on a building that is vacant. But people are opposed to it because this particular um, developer has a history of cash or keys and quote unquote pressuring tenants to take the cash incentive to move out. So here we have a case of 
one building, completely separate building, 301 Barton. And this article talks to, and, and Acorn say, oh no, you can't get a tax grant on that completely vacant building because in one, and you have a history of doing, the, you have a history of being, uh, of pressuring tenants to take a buyout in other buildings. Okay, so point number one for me, that makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. Like you don't, this is, this is a building that's completely vacant that will, and if you know Barton Street in Hamilton, especially that section of Barton Street, first of all, what they've done to that building is beautiful. Second of all, that whole street has a very, very shady history. Uh, that whole section of the street has a very shady reputation right now in history for a very specific and practical reason. There's a lot of activity in that area that nobody wants to, like people don't want to live there if they have any sense of, of, of safety or they have any desire for security. People generally live there because they want to fly under the radar. And, and I'm not, like, I'm generalizing right now. I understand this. This is not, um, or because they, A, they want to fly under the radar or B, because uh, they can't live anywhere else in Hamilton. And that's, that's point number two. Hamilton rents are, are skyrocketing. That is important to, to note. So I understand where these claims are coming from. Like there is a there is a concern that as you push tenants out of seven hundred dollar rents, they can't afford eleven hundred, twelve hundred, thirteen hundred dollar rents. They become uh, they become homeless essentially, or you know they have to move away. Okay, and that that's we can't ignore that. Okay, so that's point number two. Now, I don't think. So this building, it doesn't, it was, it was vacant when it was bought. The, it's that, it's 301 Barton that is under question. That's why they got the tax grant because they have renovated it and they are bringing it back up to code and they are, they're making it a much more desirable spot to live. Their Malium is in this case, turning the street into something that has, right now you drive past, you think drug den in most, most of the buildings on, on Barton Street. And whether that's true or not, whether that's based on, uh, on, what do you call that? Stereotype or not, prejudice, it doesn't matter. That perception starts to create a reality in that area, okay? You have to start changing perception if, if the reality is going to change too. You can, we can address, we need to address the root issues. That's for sure. But if you're going to actually bring people in and make people want to live there that aren't going to, um, or that are actually going to bring some kind of value to the neighborhood, it has to look better straight up. Okay. Now let's talk about renovation. The one complaint from this Acorn member is that she was pressured to take a buyout of $2,000 to leave her Sherman Ave apartment. If she knew that, if she knew that the $2,000 wasn't going to be enough 
for, um, I mean, she may not have known. And this is, I think this is where I struggle. It's because like you took it, you took the buyout, like you cannot complain. But at the same time, someone with more information than her might've taken advantage of her lack of information. And again, this comes down to a question of what responsibilities do the landlords have to, to the tenants, especially in this process when they're offering them a buyout? Because that's a completely legal move. Malium makes Elizabeth an offer. She accepts the offer and signs an N11 to get to agreeing to vacate at a certain time. Now, Elizabeth could have said no. Uh, and in fact, the next line down, another tenant who didn't want to be named um, says she's been pressured to leave her apartment of 11 years at 4143 Albert Street. I'm staying put. I can't afford to move. She knows what's going on. She's rebuffing the attempts to... And we don't even know... Actually, this is an important point here. Yeah, so in this specific instance, this is a little misleading. We don't know that Malium owns 41 to 43 Albert Street, but it's just another case of rent uh, eviction. So I, they don't name that specifically. So this article is really bad. It's creating a case that, and not, and sure they put a thing for Malium, like a, a, what do you call that? A statement from Malium in the end, but that's how you do from studying journalism and wanting to become a journalist. You put all your most important details up front. So apparently, all their all the most important details are all these. Uh, the fact that Malium uses buyouts to get tenants out, the fact that they're going for a tax exemption on a vacant building. And then this random tenant who is apparently being pressured by their landlord to leave, but, but we have no idea if Malium even owns that property. It's not said. It's implied because, but they don't actually specifically state that. Uh, it might just be, this might actually just be a victim of poor writing because it goes on to say, woman said, the woman said, who is left unnamed and not leaving her apartment, um, tenants in the five apartments, in five apartments in the low rise, 13 unit building will uh, still pay 700 a month units. Malium has put the property. So the only property that's been named before that was 4143. Okay. And then it switches to when the firm bought 301 Barton. Okay. Okay, so let's go down. Um, Councillor Terry Whitehead expressed discomfort over not knowing the tactics developers use to empty buildings before, before they apply for grants. Ultimately, we're allowing developers to push out vulnerable and high-risk tenants into our, in, 
uh, our community. That's not acceptable. Yeah, and this is where, so they're saying, we don't know how they, so they bought it empty, that's fine, but we don't know how it was emptied. And the staff is saying, Jason Thorne and, and, and uh, city staff are saying, we can't investigate how it was empty, like we don't have time. Or Chad Collins is actually saying that, he can't, staff can't be expected to be super sleuths to go figure out, okay, well, sure, you have an em empty building, but how did you get it empty? And then technically, the, the onus, at the time of purchase, the onus is not on Malium, who's buying the building. The onus is not on the buyer to have it vacant. If they are requiring vacant possession, it's on, and the seller agrees to that, it's on the seller to, to, to make it vacant. I don't even know if you can technically like you can request vacant possession, but I don't know if the seller's under any obligation to do so because under Ontario law, like you can't just push people out. So, I mean, I know that there are definitely ways to ensure that, but the point, the reason why I bring this article up is because it creates a specific, or it highlights a specific point of tension for a lot of people in Southern Ontario right now, and for myself. Councillor uh, Sam Marula brings this up. He's like, I applaud what they've done. At a, uh, 20 years ago, we were begging for it. What Malium is doing with this property is what we've been hoping for on Barton Street for a long time. That is revamping these units. But that comes at a cost. We cannot expect if we want to move forward, you cannot expect to allow existing conditions, uh, both physical and economic conditions, to remain the same. If you want to move forward, there's a cost to it. Someone's going to pay for it. Who? The developer or the tenants? Because if the developer is expected to pay for it, they're going to go out of business. And it completely defeats the purpose. And if the tenants are going to pay for it, well, technically the tenants are paying for it. And that's where it becomes a little tricky. Because like, okay, we get a, a revamped Barton Street, but all these people who who are used to $700 rents and, you know, have lived there, you know, all their lives, not... and. Obviously, this particular in this particular case, there weren't any tenants that were affected directly, but the principle of the matter is we're asking people, or yeah, we're asking people to take a buyout to leave so that we can revamp, revamp the buildings, and make a profit, and make the street better, bring in people who might actually like. bring in working families. Which brings up another ethics question, like do we value working families over families who are who have to collect ODSP or Ontario Works? You know, on the business side, yes. Depending. Depending on the character. Some people on ODSP and Ontario Works are probably just as, if not more, responsible than 
a working family, but that's not always the case. And, it's, and you're definitely not getting a rent check from the government that is going to support an upgraded, updated unit. Not in Hamilton. So I, I leave this conversation with no conclusion. I think it has to be case by case. I think council was right in this specific case with the Barton Street property. It was vacant. It's fine. But in general, the, the point that this highlights is how far are we as a city and really as, as you know, society, how far are we willing to go to rebuild our our derelict neighborhoods? We can leave them as is. Or we can try to do something about it. It's not a it's not a black and white situation. My argument all along has been you have to consider the people. Like real estate is about people, okay. You have to consider the impact on the people, but at the same time, what's the cost of having? a neighborhood, you know, that where people can just fly under the radar and Okay, so here's here's the thing. As you get better buildings, you you attract people who are going to pay attention to their surroundings, to their environment, statistically, okay? You, you have a safer community when people take ownership, when people care about the space that they live in. And you cannot tell me that people care about the space they live in when It's in shambles, the space they live in is in shambles, and even if they can't, even if they can't afford to keep it up, because if they could afford to keep it up, would they? I've gone on much too long. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Clearly, I'm conflicted. I don't like just saying, no, they don't, they, the people don't, you know, if they're not paying paying their way, you can't expect a developer to subsidize all the, the improvements and allow them to stay at the same rent, because I actually believe that you can't. You, you know, develop, developer comes in, revamps a building, you cannot expect, like it is now a much, much better space to live in. It is not going to cost the same. So you can't expect a developer to 
just let tenants pay the same amount. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense economically at all. You wouldn't have developers, they'd be out of business. And then, because if you're arguing for someone to pay for those renos without there being any kickback, it's an ideal that, that has no basis in reality. Someone pays. Should the tenants pay though? Like these tenants who have been living in the same place for 11 years and have dirt cheap rent. And now they don't want to move because if they do, they're definitely not going to be able to afford it. What do you do? How much responsibility do we have to those people? Email me, recoffee at joelarnt.ca. That's recoffee at j-o-e-l-a-r-n-d-t dot c-a. This is a tough one for me. I have, this is where, I, you know, a, a big heart can uh, really muddle, muddle things up because it's tough to just flat out say, yeah, kick the tenants out or, you know, offer them a buyout or yeah, they, she accepted a $2,000 buyout. It's not my responsibility whether or not she did the research to find out if she could actually afford rent with that kind of buyout or not. That's a little slimy. That feels slimy. I don't like that, but it's true. It, like she could have done the research and negotiated for more and they would have paid more. Here's the thing, and this is what like, there's a lot of value in get in, in, in moving out a tenant who's only paying $700 a month and to renovate and get $1,300 a month. There's a lot of value in that. So developers will pay it. Yeah, email me, tell me what you think. November 9th, Wealth Hacker Conference. Gonna hang out with some people who are taking their businesses from where they are and doubling it, tripling it, tripling their, their business, their income. Gonna to talk to people who are just starting out and want to create streams of passive income so that they can do what they really want to do with their life. People who are taking responsibility and ownership of their life and have either have been doing so for decades and are seeing the benefits of it or are just starting to and are excited to finally have control over their life. Then we're going to get learn a bunch of strategies, real estate investing strategies, business, stock option strategies at the Wealth Hacker Conference. Learn some ways to hack the tra traditional routes to wealth. And then I'm going to get to see Grant Cardone. That'll be, that'll be interesting. But honestly, I'm looking forward to meeting you folks.
So if you want to go wealthhacker.ca, pick your ticket, uh, discount code, real wealth, all one word. So wealthhacker.ca, pick your ticket, use the promo code real wealth, all one word. You'll get 10% off your ticket. And then let me know if you're coming. I want to meet up. It's going to be a jam-packed day, but we've got breaks, we've got lunch, we've got time afterwards. I definitely want to connect with you and see how things are going. It's Saturday. Enjoy your weekend.